Apple, everybody, as we are into our third hour of the show. That's going to go at least six, and I promise you it's going to go longer. Got lots of guests still ahead of us, and we're going to keep talking. Um, actually, both basketballs on the men's and women's side this time. We're going to stay somewhat in the same area. We're going to get go to Gettysburg. Huge Wednesday night at Bream Gymnasium, the Centennial Race. I told you over a week ago to watch the men's race on the Centennial side because it was a three-way tie atop the conference between FNM or um, not her sinus FNM uh, Gettysburg and Johns Hopkins with Swarthmore just on the outside. Gettysburg was going to play all three of those teams we just mentioned besides themselves, and in a week's time we get a better sense of what's going on in the conference. We haven't gotten a better sense of what's going on in the conference. We still got a three-way tie. Thanks to Ursinus beating FNM, FNM beating Gettysburg, Gettysburg beating Hopkins. Uh, and so we got a three-way tie. And on the women's side, you have two teams in Hopkins and Gettysburg at the top with Dickinson surprisingly right behind them lurking. And then Gettysburg ties Hopkins in the standings thanks to a win on Wednesday. Both games were bonkers, and it turns out we just book things really smartly around here on Hoopsville. Joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is the aforementioned head coaches of both programs, Nate Davis and B.J. Dunn, there at Gettysburg. Nate, of course, has a program that's been synonymous in the top 25 for a long time. B.J., you've taken a program and gotten it to where you finally wanted it to go. Let me start, though, with Wednesday. What an atmosphere. Nate, a team, you had the lead and had to hold off on our hard-charging Blue Jays. BJ, you had a back-and-forth game, then lost the lead, and it, you were playing from behind, and then something woke up. I'll start with you, Nate. The atmosphere was absolutely awesome. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, we're so thankful for the the support we have here at Gettysburg and um, you know, with both teams being competitive this year at a high level and obviously Johns Hopkins coming in with two really solid teams and having great years themselves. Um, I think it just really set itself up to have a great atmosphere in Bream and our students and, and fans and, and the locals and administration all showed up and, and it was a, a great environment for sure. It was a lot of fun to be part of. BJ, the, the place got quiet for a part of that second or the late first half and, and part of the second half, I think they were worried and they were waiting for something to explode. And man, did you give it to them? Yeah, no, well, well first, you know, thanks for having us on Dave. I mean, and everything that you do for, for D three hoops. And, um, you know, it's been really amazing for us on the men's side to be following what Nate and the women's team has done since I've been here for six years and the amount of success that they've had. And you're just trying to emulate that. And I think our men have seen it firsthand when you're on the road and traveling with them and, you follow them in practice or they practice after you and you see their work ethic. And we've just been trying to get to that place where when we hop on a bus after a road win, you know, we're not the reason the bus is quiet. And, you know, we've been fortunate to have a lot of sweeps this year, but, you know, to what Nate was just saying, um, you know, the crowd, the crowd was incredible. And I think the support that we've gotten, not just from our, you know, local community, but I mean, our student athletes and our teams and our coaches and administrators did just an incredible job, just, encouraging their student athletes to be there they were everywhere they were loud um and it kind of willed us you know when we went through a little bit of a lull there um from that 10 minute mark to about five minutes and 30 seconds and then you know we turned it on and finished on a 17 to 3 run but i think that's just who we are you know our team is incredibly resilient we have a ton of tough dudes who never are worried who are never fear anything um there's never any nervousness in any of our huddles it's like we know at any point we're going to turn this thing back on. We're going to see that thing go through. And then, you know, all year we've just relied heavily on our defense. And I think to hold Johns Hopkins to eight points in the final 10 minutes, three points in the final five and a half um, was just the trick that we needed to continue to get that confidence to make some shots 
down the stretch and pull out an unbelievable victory Wednesday night. Yeah, you can hear B.J. Dunn still trying to get his voice back for Wednesday night. That and Dowson <laughs> game on Thursday, I'm, I'm, a survived. I got, I'm surprised I got a voice myself. Um, we'll talk about the defense in a bit because I do want to dive in on that. I, I find something interesting about both your teams defensively, but I want to talk a little bit about the confidence you talk about, B.J. Uh, I'm going to start with Nate, though. Nate, you've got a program since pretty much when you arrived at Gettysburg that's always just absolutely been – been confident. I mean, there, there's anything but. You you know you're going to be a competitive team. You know you're going to be at the top of the Centennial Conference. And even the young players, especially this year, um, the younger players exude that confidence and, and don't seem to bat an eye. Where I'm curious, Nate, where that comes from. I'll, I'll transition to BJ in a bit. But, Nate, where does that confidence come from this program? And how do you instill it in the younger players so quickly? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, it's it's – you think there's some kind of magic potion, but the reality is, I think, you know, it goes to the players that were here prior and the, the expectations that they've set. Um, and that, you know, when players know that they join our program, that, that we believe in them and they, you know, that the players in this program believe in them. And I think that gives them confidence to know that they can come in and do the same thing. And, and um, so it all, all goes back to the original players that were part of, you know, when I came here and even before, um, that uh, really set the tone of what it means to be a Gettysburg College women's basketball player and the confidence that that should give you already. Um, and, you know, like BJ said, too, uh, we really have a really strong defensive emphasis, and that's um, what we really hang our hat on. And, you know, when you can really focus in on the defensive end, it gives you the confidence offensively to play loose and free and and to uh, not, not put so much pressure on yourself in the offensive end, knowing um, that your defense is going to keep you in a game, you know, and give you an opportunity to have an opportunity to win the game later. So that's really kind of what we focus on. Now we talk about pressure on our defense and, you know, offensive, it's about pressure in our preparation and making sure we're putting in the work and the practice so that we can play free in the game. But yeah, I, I'm thankful that we do have players that come in um, and ready to compete, but they also compete against each other every day in practice. And so sometimes, you know, when you're competing in practice every day against great players, it just gives you that confidence to go into any game knowing that you face the best in practice and that you can you can compete uh, no matter who's on the court with us. BJ, I feel like this team, I, I've said to you in the last couple of weeks, okay, this was the team I, I, I kind of expected, but it's been a while. I, I feel like almost a year and a half ago, this is the team you all thought you had, and it took a while what was it like to build that confidence? Because to be honest, I don't think you all did have it until now. From an outsider's perspective, you you had to kind of build that up and, and get that into that place that the women were already at. What what has that evolution been like? And uh, and honestly, on on track with where you expected it, or, or was it maybe a little slower than you thought it would take? No, I, I think we're we're where we we expected to be. I think. Um, you know, it, it took a lot of effort and time from, you know, everybody involved, you know, our coaching staff, um, administration, you know, all the players that we recruited, we were incredibly intentional about, you know, we want to recruit players who wanted to commit to doing something that hadn't been done in a really long time. And, you know, this program has had a lot of success and went to a sweet 16 in 2016. And, you know, we really wanted to build this program back up where we felt like it belongs and, and it should belong. And I think, those conversations that you're having in the recruiting process and, you know, we're constantly talking about embracing the chase and being able to love the work that it's going to take to catch two incredible programs in Swarthmore and Johns Hopkins and Dickinson's not that far removed from having a ton of success. Same with their sinus. You know, Muhlenberg has had some really talented players in the past couple of years, but 
you know, I think when you look at our roster makeup, yes, we have uh, had a lot of players who've played a lot of games for us this year. I mean, our, our backcourt has been starting for us since their freshman year. You know, Ryan has started for us basically since he was a freshman. Um, but when those guys were freshmen and sophomores and we're getting ready to play Swarthmore in the conference semis, you know, the Swarthmore upperclassmen actually have played more games than our freshmen and sophomores had in the Centennial Tournament and in the NCAA Tournament combined. Um, and I just think experience is an incredible teacher. Um, you know, being able to go when they're freshmen to finish third, when they're sophomores, we finally hosted that playoff game in Bream. We won that playoff game. So our guys not only now know, all right, we belong. No, we really belong and we can win a playoff game. And then, you know, I think this year it was, we're here. Like, we, you know, we swept Swarthmore in Johns Hopkins. Um, you know, we had a couple tough losses early, but again, I think experience is a great teacher. Our guys have taken all the adversity that's come their way and we've continued to get better every single day. And I think that's just where a ton of our confidence comes from is, you know, our guys really believe in how we celebrate these little moments. Um, they have a ton of belief and care uh, for each other. They protect each other on and off the court. And I think what you're seeing now has been really special for us, you know, as coaches in this program um, to just see everything just kind of come to fruition of what you believe in and what you dream about six years ago to finally say like, Hey, we can do this. And we're in a position to do something that hasn't been done in we're team 123 in program history. And we've never hosted a conference tournament and we have an opportunity to do that. And that's all we could ask for at this place, but we got to have a really good practice today. And that's where our focus is. And I think our guys have done an unbelievable job of just chipping away and pounding the rock and focusing on the day to day. Well, and and this past week is not the end of the season. You still have a lot of tough games ahead of Absolutely. you, even no with doubt. the bottom of the conference in both on both men's and women's side. The middle and bottom can be um, an absolute nightmare sometimes. Um, BJ, another thing that stood out to me is I thought Schaller for a while, especially after his rookie year, felt like he had to do it all. Now it feels like the games come to him, and he's really mm-hmm. settled into his role nicely. Stafford has figured out what he needs to do. You have a starter. Who's not even who's barely playing anymore because other guys have gotten into their roles like Aiden yeah. Mess, Mickey Own. God, I do not get in his way if he's angry. Um, and, and other guys, Nate, yours. I mean, it starts with Slozik, in my opinion. She she's forgive the term a pit bull when she is pissed off. You guys were down. I don't, I don't remember who the opponent is now, unfortunately. But you were, I think it was Haverford. You were down going into the fourth quarter. She hadn't had a point. I'm literally texting with, with Luke Stilson about the fact the last time she didn't score in a game, and she blows up for 18. There's Arnoli has figured out her role. Um, you've got younger players who have stepped into their roles and felt very comfortable. What I point is, both teams, which I think is scary, Players have figured out their roles, and by the way, they all come back, BJ. I think that's a scary part. They're figuring this out now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think just to the point earlier, like when you have guys who really mature like we've had, they get comfortable with who they are. They get comfortable in the role. I think they've always trusted each other, but I think it's on a whole nother level right now. And I think on any given night offensively, um, you know, whoever has the best matchup, you know, we think we have some pretty good guards and, you know, Ryan and Aiden are a pretty good one-two punch inside. Um, and we can kind of cater to whatever matchup we really like. And, you know, I think the one thing that I would just add, you know, when you talk about those guys is, you know, when you're in our building every day and you see the level of work that our guys have, it's, it's pretty unbelievable. And I think it pulls everybody else with it too. You know, 
Jordan has already been in and lifted today. He's going to get a workout. We're going to watch film. We're about to have practice. Ryan and Carl were up here watching film earlier. And that's, that's, that's pretty normal for these guys. It's nothing out of the ordinary just because it's the day before a game. And, and then they give you everything they have. And every second of every practice, everything is incredibly meaningful. And then the way that these guys defend, I think, you know, everybody talks about Ryan and Aiden blocking shots. And, you know, Jordan, in our opinion, is the best two-way player in the league, the way that he can really guard the basketball. But, you know, what Carl is able to do defensively is pretty unbelievable. And how he doesn't get hit with screens, um, it's really difficult to post him. He dives on the floor, he boxes out, he peels switches. He does everything that you would want your point guard to do. And when your best players are your hardest workers and they're your most disciplined and focused, I'm sure Nate will agree. It just brings everybody with you. And I think as a coach, we know it's it's rare um, to have teams like this. I haven't been doing this too long. I've been doing it long enough to know that when you're when the right guys are doing these things, you just got to enjoy this because it's been pretty special and fun for us right now. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're speaking about players, and Nate has too. I mean, it starts again with Slozik. Geez, she, she'll die for anything. Arnoli does the same. You've got an insane shot blocker in Lee. Um, and, and you've got, by the way, Priori, who, when she's ready, will be a force to be reckoned with. You also have um, Violante inside. <laughs> Nate, you, you've got a wealth of options on that team who are doing the exact same thing that Dunn's team is doing. Yeah, I mean, we, we talk about playing complementary basketball and understanding your role and being the best at what you do, right? I mean, that's what we talk about. There's so many ways to add and bring value to a team, and and we try to emphasize all those ways, um, whether it be rebounding, whether it be blocking shots, whether it be great communication, whether it be obviously, you know, you know, rebounding and scoring, those kind of things get a lot of the publicity, but there's a lot of details and complimentary basketball that's all part of being a successful team. And when everybody knows and really wants to be the best at what they do, um, and everybody knows how to take advantage of that for each other, and you play basketball well together, um, it's just a fun thing to be part of. It's a fun thing to coach. Um, I think our players have embraced that over my years here. And, and that's just really, I'm really thankful for that because um, when everybody really understands that they bring value, whether it be even on the bench and, and the way they bring, you know, um, attitude and energy to the team. I mean, just even watching BJ's team, the men's team, um, just from from the beginning of the bench to the end of the bench and how, how invested and involved they are. Um, and I think that's what we try to emulate as well, uh, where everybody just feels part of what we're doing, regardless of, you know, how many points you're scoring, how many rebounds you're getting. It's really about the ultimate thing, and that's getting the win for the team and and that there's a lot of ways to add value to do that. And so that's what we try to really strive for is everybody just doing being the best at what they do. I promise I wanted to talk about defense, and I really do, because what I find interesting about both your teams is you are some of the best defensive units in terms of points allowed, field goal percentages, and three-point field goal percentage. That number, you both your teams are stellar. I may have this backwards. I think women are top 25, men are top five. I might have it backwards, but I think that's what I remember. Should have left. Yeah, number three. I thought going into the game it was number three, but I don't have my damn game notes in front of me. I tossed them after the game. Stupid me. Um, and and BJ, we'll get to your team in a minute, but we should. I'll use it as a segue. Nate, it's always been about defense, but at this point, you don't necessarily need it, though you've come from behind in a lot of games offensively because your defense has certainly stood up. Your offense is good enough, is my point. You don't have to have some stout defense. But, man, 
yours feels subtle to me. Like when I'm watching, it doesn't feel like your defense is doing anything special, and that's not a knock. But then all of a sudden, you look at the shooting numbers and you look at the stats, and you start going, "Well, what are they doing?" That you guys, it's interesting watching your women's team on defense. Yeah, and I think that's a great uh, a good point in the sense that, like, yeah, we're not you know ninety four feet like some of the teams are, where we're really pressing like people. Like the guest the- I just had on, yeah, yeah like yeah, like you know, CNU. I mean, obviously they do an amazing job, and they're they're really difficult to play against for you know, and obviously I've experienced that. Um, but yeah, we're we're way more subtle in how we defend, um, and I think we we try to be really strategic about how we defend um, and try to force people into taking the shots they don't necessarily like to take. Um, and, um, you know, and that's worked for us, um, cause our team, the players are really committed to that and, um, they play really well together and they, they're really disciplined and detailed in how we defend certain situations. So, um, yeah, I think it's an emphasis of ours. It's something we work at every day. Um, we start practice with defense every day. Um, so it is something that I think our players really understand that that's important to us. Um, and they take a lot of pride in it too. So um, we have goals defensively every game too. And and uh, so it's because that's such an emphasis for us. I think that's I think it's where it stems from. And um, just really proud of our players for executing day in and day out, um, regardless of the opponent, um, regardless of the situation, they're, they're committed to it. So uh, hopefully that, and that's good that it's coming through like that because that's certainly what we're trying to do. And both teams, by the way, are also stellar shock blockers, also rank pretty highly in that category. Again, we talked about Lee, by the way, for your women's team. Uh, she will come out of nowhere. She got a block in the corner earlier, uh, late in the game against Hopkins, where I know that Hopkins shooter, O'Neal, was sitting there going, oh, I've got plenty of room. And Lee said, no, no, you don't. Um, BJ, your game came down to that three-point defense. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the shot that Hopkins had with about a minute left that could have really made things gnarly. You had Nate Williams pop out from behind a screen that I was watching the shooter and his reaction was literally like, where did he come from? And then Mickey own of all people is blocking a three point shot even further out to close out that game. Where does that mentality come from? Because in the men's game, in my opinion, it's even harder to do that because it's so much more physical. Well, you know, we'll be honest. We don't really teach or talk a ton about blocking shots. We're just really fortunate in recruiting that we have some, uh, you know, pretty unbelievable, uh, you know, athletes and long guys who, you know, are able to block those shots. But I think it comes down to just our our defensive mentality um, and our identity is, we will never allow you to catch and shoot it from where you, you know, you catch and shoot it from. You know, we want to make you take as many tough, unpracticed shots as possible, no in-rhythm shots. And the statistic that, you know, we look at as a staff and we share with our guys all the time is assist percentage. And we're constantly working on that, making sure that, you know, when teams get us in a scramble or we're trying to win a fire um, and they move that thing and they make it one more pass. Like we're going to scramble and fly out at you and you are not going to shoot it from where you caught it from. And you're going to have to dribble that thing. Um, and we're third in the nation right now in assist percentage. And, and that really means a lot to us as a staff. And that just proves that what we do at that end of the floor is working. And, you know, we want to be as disruptive and aggressive as possible. We want to make you uncomfortable. We talk a ton about being physical without fouling. Um, you know, that game came down to three-point shooting, but, you know, Hopkins only took eight free throws and you're going to win a lot of games when you can keep people off the free throw line. Um, but I think, you know, this has kind of been the theme with us is we have a lot of guys who played now a lot of games for us, which wasn't the case a year or two years ago. And they've seen a ton of different actions. So 
when we're in a timeout at the end of a game, you know, we can talk about something that another team is possibly going to run. And on the fly, we can talk about how we're going to guard that. And we haven't been able to do that in years past. And our guys have a ton of, ton of voice um, and agency at that end of the floor. Um, you know, we love to switch, but we're able to stay at home on some stuff. And in that particular situation, you know, we did have a, a defensive mishap where two guys went uh, with a cutter and Nate just happened to make an unbelievable effort play being pinned in by his man and being able to get a handout because he just knows that's our rule, no in rhythm, catch and shoot threes. And, um, you know, he made a winning play. And um, I think that's just that's, that's what we're all about. And our guys are giving us everything at that end of the floor. We've been able to really scheme and strategize. And, you know, like Nate said, like you just you're so proud of them for playing 40 minutes of pretty unbelievable defense and a hold of Hopkins team that um, is one of the best offensive teams we've seen all year. I mean, Ryan's done an unbelievable job with that group and Josh prior to that and how they move and share it um, to hold them to 23 points in the second half was a really great effort by our group. We should point out men's team ended a 14 game winning streak for Hopkins. Their last loss to Gettysburg women's team ends a 17 game winning streak for Johns Hopkins after narrowly doing it earlier in the season themselves, uh, not 17 game winning streak, but nearly winning. Uh, another thing I think that's interesting, Nate, your team very comfortable at coming from behind. Uh, I've seen it on a number of occasions. I don't think you like being there, but you're comfortable doing it. BJ, I think what's dangerous about your team is now you are starting to get comfortable understanding you can come from behind and the Hopkins game certainly showed it could tie into a lot more with you guys. It's certainly incredible, but I am curious quickly before I let you go, this centennial race isn't over. Nate, you've got a tie now with, with Hopkins, essentially, with one loss each. We're not even in the win column yet, but we'll get there. But Dickinson, who you beat by 30, is not only lurking in the standings, they're lurking on the schedule. This this Wednesday was not the be-all and end-all, and if you want things to come through Bream Gymnasium, there's still a lot of work left to do on the women's side. Yeah, no doubt about it, and and certainly, yeah, I mean, Dickinson is is playing great basketball, and they've had some big wins this year, too, and um, obviously, our last meeting with them is not indicative of, indicative of how it's going to be next game at all. We we know that. We're not we're, we're not considering that. We're not thinking about that. Um, we haven't really thought about Dickinson yet because uh, we're worried about having for tomorrow, um, and we'll, we'll worry about Dickinson when we get there, but... Um, but yeah, no, we, there's a lot of basketball still left to be played. Uh, been doing this long enough to know that, um, you know, it, it, there's been other years where it's been tied coming down the stretch or you think, and then somebody, you know, comes up and grabs a team that's, you know, fighting for those home home field, home court advantages. And so um, we're just going to try to take care of the things that we can take care of. And and that's one game at a time. And that's going to be our mentality. But yeah, this, is, this race isn't over. There's a lot of really teams, really good teams that are going to compete. And uh, we just want to make sure that we're one of them. And, and that's all we can really can control anyway. BJ, your your job's somewhat done in the terms of you've all now played the top three teams along with you in the four uh, the second time. They all have to still play each other. But Ursinus may have done you a favor not only by beating FNM to put this back into a three-way tie that you now have the leg up on, we should point out, because you have a, um, a, a, a two wins over Hopkins. You don't have two wins over FNM. I'll get to that in a minute. But my point is, Orsinus winning is a great way of just turning the team and going, hey, by the way, here's the rest of our schedule. It may not be the top half of the, of the schedule, but here's a reminder that they can ruin our night. Yeah, I mean, like like Nate said, I mean, we have a ton of respect for, for everybody in the league and everybody that's left. And, you know, we have to go on the road three games. You know, we got to go to Haverford. It's not an easy place to play. Neither is Dickinson. Neither is Orsinus. And then, you know, you have McDaniel. 
um, and, and Muhlenberg to finish. So, you know, we have a ton of respect for those five opponents. And, you know, we share with our guys, you know, last week, just a thought about, you know, when you're trying to chase down and do something extraordinary, you oftentimes miss a lot of joy along the way. And it was just a way that we can kind of keep our guys present and ground them and just remind them that we have to continue to get better every single day. We have to be where our feet are. And we have to continue to have really good practices in one game at a time. And I think our whole mantra since I've been here has been pound the rock. And this group totally is bought into that and believes in that. And, um, you know, we're fired up to have a really good one this afternoon and 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 try and go get it done tomorrow. But um, that's where our focus is. The moment doesn't get too big for our guys. They're excited to be where they are. Um, but I think this is a group who totally understands that anything can happen in this league. And we have to play really good basketball here on out. Lots more I could talk to you about, but I got to get going. BJ, I'd love to at some point we'll dive into the international feel to your your team that I find so fascinating. Nate, we're gonna have to talk to your you about recruiting. First off, really don't like the fact you recruited a player named Hopkins. When I have to talk about an opponent named Hopkins, I bumped into that a couple times saying Hopkins and Hop. Yeah, that didn't work. But I do appreciate and tip of the hat. Your best player is definitely Mara McHugh, and I am absolutely not biased in that whatsoever, despite no relation at all with Mara. But she's absolutely your best player. I mean, it's the best recruiting job I've ever seen you do. Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, I digress. I quickly digress. Uh, gentlemen, thanks for the time. I really appreciate the insight on the program that I know but don't know, to be completely honest. You know, there's stuff that broadcasters we don't get a, a privy to on the program, and I certainly appreciate you giving us that insight. And good luck the rest of the way. I'm, I know Bream, Bream Gymnasium is going to be rocking the rest. By the way, quick, uh, Jim Haney described the men's game as a CCIW game played in Pennsylvania. I think that speaks volumes, to say the least. Um, I, I saw that uh, Bob Coleman's going to be on later, so yeah, you let him know. He's got We got to get him down to get his yeah, Pennsylvania. yeah. Interesting right. enough, his topics already seen for the top twenty-five all have to do with this region. We're going to have a little fun with him with that. Um, warning sent. Uh, last word goes to you all, though. We'll start with you, Nate. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? Yeah, no. Thanks for everything you do. I hope I would say this. You know, anytime I get an opportunity to see you. Um, I just love that you put the spotlight on these Division Three athletes that are so worthy and uh, so deserving of this, you know, getting the exposure that you provide. And uh, just thank you for that, for sure. Um, you know, obviously, also just thanks, you know, get a chance to talk about um, just this this great culture we're having at Gettysburg and just the administration support and, and the students that came out to the games and um, just uh, and obviously also getting a chance to work with BJ, too. It's been a lot of fun uh, being men's and women's coaches we have office next to each other and and uh, we get a chance to you know pick each other's brain on occasion support each other lift each other up and uh, that's that's pretty unique and we really appreciate the opportunity that we get to do that too so but uh, thanks thanks for this time Dave appreciate it hey no problem thank you for finding the time as well BJ uh, any final thoughts no I just share the same thing you know Nate just shared I mean Dave I think what you do for the D3 hoop student athletes and community is is pretty incredible and um, you know, it was really cool. We had our film session yesterday and Akeem Joseph was the cover photo on, on D3hoops.com. And, um, you know, that's that's our ESPN. And, you know, those those are pretty incredible moments and memories that, you know, you've created and generated for um, Division Three student athletes. So, you know, kudos. And, um, you know, Nate said, like, Bream was the energy was incredible. And our teams, our student athletes, our coaches, I just think there's great energy around here and um, not just just for our programs, but for all the programs in our department. And, um, you know, it's, it's it's been a lot of fun and a joy. And, um, you know, we're looking forward to keeping this thing rolling. And, you know, thanks to our women's program who pushed us, you know, every day. And 
our players have watched them host playoff games. They've watched them host a championship game and, you know, they've wanted that. And, um, you know, that's been a huge motivator for us these past six years. And, you know, to have someone like Nate who you're so super close with that um, can be a confidant and a mentor too has been really just great for me. And, um, you know, I think we're just excited about the these next two weeks we'll see what happens yeah it should be a fun one down the stretch look forward to it thanks for taking the time you guys i really appreciate it and we'll talk to you soon thanks dave Nate davis and bj dunn joining us here on the hoopsville hotline appreciate them taking the time to talk gettysburg basketball it's been a lot of fun to see those teams up close take a break when we come back we jump into men's basketball talk to the 12th ranked calvin knights and their rivalries and situation in the MIAA. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3 Hoops. Back with more after this. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over two decades. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. Coach of the Year, Administrator of the Year, All-America Team, Wade Trophy. The WBCA doesn't just honor coaches, but players, administrators, and much more. The WBCA strives to honor those who have contributed to the advancement of women's basketball. Celebrate the present, honor the past, look to the future. I used to never really talk, ever. I was scared and shy. It was hard to look at people's faces. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Division three allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division three athletics affords students the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it for the world. We are calling you. All of you. We are calling all Division Three schools to join our cause. It's on us to start. Nope, there we go. There we go. Yeah, cut off the ad break. Now, listen, if you're a sponsor or an advertiser on this show, I would never do that. But we're just running PSAs. Um, so please, if you want to be an advertiser or sponsor and force me to go through my ads, you better, you better get on board. Contact me. 
We're uh, also doing the Hopesville, Hoopsville fundraiser. You can see the tote board in the top corner. Yep. Some people have asked about PayPal. Um, I don't have the ability to do PayPal. We have a, an issue with our account. I can't explain to you why. Uh, we haven't figured it out. We're thinking about maybe doing some uh, different twists to it. We'll, we'll cross that bridge if we get to it. But uh, say lovey. Uh, if you got questions for us, you can contact us information at the bottom of your screen. We're running a little bit behind. Apologies to all of you out there. Uh, we're going to get going and keep, keep it moving here as we talk men's basketball, um, where it's been really fun, as always, in the MIAA, because, well, it's always fun in the MIA, darn it. Calvin men's basketball team has been clicking along for the most part, but they've run into a little bit of, of some hurdles of late. They are 17-3 and three overall. They are 7-2 and two in conference play. And surprise, surprise, Trine's the one who's on top of the conference at 19-1, 9-0 in conference action. We talked to Trine men's coach Brooks Miller a few weeks ago. Calvin's had an interesting run of it, and I, I wanted to talk more about it, but find the right time to do it. I guess now's the right time. They've ended a two-game losing streak. I think Bill Saul will be more than happy to come on the show. He's got no choice because here he is on the Hoopsville Hotline. It's Bill Saul, head coach of the Calvin Knights. Uh, I know Matt Snyder and Zach Snyder will be happy to see you on the show, though I know you're not happy with one of them. We can maybe dive into that another time. Um, listen, I, I think it would be a little bit foolish of us to think that you could go through MIAA play undefeated. Um, that said, when you handled Hope, somewhat they did come back on you uh, at your place but you were you had them pretty much uh in control most of the game I, I i'll admit it drifted into my mind that just maybe this team could go undefeated was i just a fool i would say you're foolish okay um, i'll take that uh, you know it, it, look in our conference i mean from top to bottom it's really improved dramatically um, and then when you get to the top with Hope and Trine, those are just two really, really good teams. And, you know, the way the schedule played out, it was interesting, right? So, you know, we play Hope, um, we come back with Elma, and then we got to go a week of Trine and Hope. So, you know, you're playing some really tough competition back to back to back almost. Um, so it, it, uh, it, was a, it was a task and, um, you know, a little disappointing of how we played. But, uh, you know, I, I think uh, it always feels good to get a win. Um, and that week was tough. Look. You lost the you lost to Trine. You lost to Hope. There's one team I actually root for more than anything else is a Lions. So then I had to have a devastating Sunday. Um, so that that is probably one of the worst weeks in sport uh, that I've had. But uh, you know, again, I, I like the way we bounce back on Wednesday and looking forward to uh, really continuing to elevate our game over the course of the, the rest of the season. Quick side note, as growing up a Bears fan, I was a little torn about your Lions. There was a part of me that didn't want to see the 49ers there, but I really didn't want to see Detroit there either. So just for the record, we'll just get that out of the way. Yeah, I I, I kind of moaned and complained uh, about the scheduling in the MIA and elsewhere. This is You guys are not immune to this, but the Hope rivalry is great. We shouldn't be playing two games 10 days apart, in my opinion. I also don't understand why we can't get the men and women playing on the same day. Yeah. Um, just to drive those those buildings to even more craziness. Um, I mean, it's unfortunate. What I find interesting, and I, I'd love to get your insight on, again, at your place, you hold hope off. They did make a ferocious comeback to get within eight at the end, though that game wasn't as close as it, that for most of it. Admittedly, I turned it off for a little while there. Um then you come back and try and trip you up. And maybe that shouldn't have been a surprise. They're playing tremendously well. But at Hope, they held you to 42. Yeah. What What yeah. was the difference other than DeVos versus um, Van Nord? Um, yeah. What was the difference in those games 10 days apart? 
Well, I, I think a couple of things. If you always look at this rivalry, um, man, it's it. You're a pretty special team if you can get away with uh, you know sweeping an opponent because you know I, I really felt in the first game we had the edge because we had lost uh, last year. Um, you know, and then hope comes back. I thought they had the edge. Um, you know, and, and we and, and and everybody goes through injuries. Everybody goes through situations. Um, you know, we we were missing uh, Owen Fernando in that game, who has been playing really really well for us. Um, had a big game against Trine. Um, and you know, we just had a couple other young guys that didn't step up. And you know, in that game, all reality at at DeVos. Uh, you know, hope put the pedal to the metal and. You know, they they went on a 9-2 run to start the game. And, you know, we we just never really got a rhythm. And, and you got to credit Hope for that. I mean, I, I thought they were tremendous defensively. Um, and, you know, it, it it's one of those games that, and I don't know if you've ever been to one, but you really don't coach, right? I mean, you, your players better have it figured out because the, the volume in the building is as such that that you're you're not doing any coaching on your players. I mean, you can yell as much as you want, but nobody's hearing you anyway. I don't know if anybody hears me when the gym's silent, but – um, in those situations, I mean, you, your players have to execute, and we just didn't do a good enough job. To be fair, yes, I have been to one. I Alan's going to kill me because I can't remember. It was this, it was the milestone one fiftieth. Okay, okay. It was at Hope a couple years yeah. ago. Yep, yep, yep. That place was unglued. Second, I always laugh at coaches. BJ Dunn was just on from Gettysburg. The Bream Gymnasium was bonkers against Hopkins. He's lost his voice, and I'm thinking to myself, what were you yelling for? They can't hear you in the first place. I'm exactly. I'm halfway to them down the bench, and I can't hear you. Right, right. Um, it cracks me up when you all are yelling. No, the, yeah. the, the rivalry is incredible, and I agree with you. Certainly, um, maybe it shouldn't be expected that that's a sweep. I think it's more news if it is a sweep. That's a very valid point. I guess more along the lines of I was surprised it was 42 points, and I was surprised that, surprised that they did to you what you did to them, essentially, in the previous game. I know this doesn't make the season, but then it's hard because now you've tripped one up to Trine by three. Who, interestingly enough, by the way, Trine smoked uh, Hope right after your rivalry game with them. So Trine went through both of you in, in really tight formation. And I, I would not have been surprised if you then went up against Alma and just couldn't find yourselves and you win by 15 that's good you get back to yourself but i i can totally see you beat you lose to try and you lose to hope and everyone's just kind of like oh boy you know we're on the grind here how do we get motivated and elma goes surprise how do you get re-upped how do you get refocused how do you get get smarter to some degree get not only ready for uh elma but understand those two games in the grand scheme of things mean nothing Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. I, I think sometimes the people on the outside looking at coaching go, wow, you know, I mean, to coach basketball, you know, you get to drop some plays and that's about 5% of what you do, right? I mean, th- there was there was a lot of discussions and a lot of talk. I had a chance to meet with a lot of guys. And, and you know, th- this is the thing sometimes that we get lost even in Division Three. I mean, look, we're playing a game. It's, it's still supposed to be fun, right? You're supposed to enjoy what you're doing. And, um, you know, there, there's been times where that has not been the case. And, um, you know, I, I what I've really enjoyed is, uh, you know, with that communication, guys kind of getting back on the same page. And, you know, man, we got a lot to pay for yet. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're in a situation, I think, where we're really ready to 
you know, the old proverbial put put the nose to the grindstone and let's go, right? Um, and I, I I think I think our guys really sense that, and uh, I love the sense of urgency that we had on Wednesday. Uh, you got a pretty talented team. I think some would argue that your most talented player may be the best player in Division Three. I'm I'm not making any judgment. I think it's it's too difficult to be honest. Uh, Jalen Overway averaging a double double, 21 points a game, just a shade under, just a shade under 11 rebounds per contest, shooting 57 percent from the floor. If he gets a shot from outside, he's got a 35 percent sh- chance of of drilling it and a 73 percent free throw shooter. He's in the top five in assists. He top number two in, in terms of blocks. I know it's not the overway show. I, I fully realize that looking at the rest of the roster with three other guys averaging double figures and four or five who are significant score, scorers, but what is Jalen bringing to the table that is helping in so many ways, either winning games or helping other guys be contributors to this team? Yeah, I mean, it's and for us, it's, it's anybody that's going to play us knows, I mean, the ball's going to get there. I mean, we're still a little old school there, right? I mean, we're going to throw the ball in the post. Um, yeah, we're going to throw it in and good luck. Yeah, and you know, it, if if there's a team that decides not to double, and there's been a few, uh, it doesn't work very well, right? I mean, he's, he's had a game of 42. He's had a couple of games in the uh, high 20s, 30-point game. So the double happens, and I think where he's really starting to mature is starting to really do a better job of reading that and making sure that that we're able to to find great shots because of that. Um, and, you know, I think for a period of time, you know, we weren't really able to capitalize on that. And I think in the Hope game, they did a tremendous job of getting to him and, and he did struggle there. But overall, he's been tremendous. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think as our team, again, we're still evolving. I really think we're still evolving as a roster. Um, you know, I, I, I think that that mainstay, if we can continue with that, uh, man, it, it's it's a difficult, difficult situation to guard us. Yeah, the difficulty is is a good point. Um, what I find interesting is you have different weapons in different places. You talk about old school. You've got the inside presence, but you also have the outside presence, but you also have a, a four, essentially. You've got the different positions where you've got a very key player. I know I'm probably going to butcher this, but Uchena Ikezi, um, Close. Uchenna Egekezi. Egekezi. I, I knew good. I was forgetting a syllable. Yes, Egekezi. <laughs> um, I, I had that when I wasn't saying it out loud. Uh, 11 points a game, four and a half rebounds, and shoots uh, 52% as basically your four. Mm-hmm. Um, you then have your outside shooting, too, and, and Owen uh, Vernado. You know, 10 points yeah. a game, four and a half rebounds, great, but he shoots 38% from beyond the arc. And you've got three, four, five other guys who can do that as well. You've got your assists coming primarily, well, from a lot of guys because Overway's second on the team uh, or third on the team in assists. But Luke, Luca Wrestler is your primary one. You talk about old school. You you are somewhat old school because you've got the five, you've got the four, you've got a couple two threes, you've got a one, and off the bench you're you're supplying most of those positions as well. I think that's what I find kind of fascinating about your team. I feel like I'm watching a team from kind of a, a bygone era, which I kind of miss. Yeah. I mean, it, and it is interesting, right? I mean, we're, we're, we're built. And, and again, I, I wouldn't, I mean, we built this team kind of around Jay and you got to have guys that can shoot. You have to have, uh, you know, guys that are very versatile. Um, and then you, you, you combine them. And I, that's what I love about your Chen. Your Chen is a thousand point scorer here at Calvin. 
Um, I don't know if we've ever run a play for him once, right? It's it's by the things that he does, right? Lots of cuts, lots of, you know, getting out in transition, um, you know, being able to find an opening and making sure you explode to the basket. Um, so, you know, it's it's just kind of a really unique group of guys. Um, and, uh, you know, they just mesh really well together. And I think that's the one thing is, um, I you know, it's, it's funny, but there's a lot of people that will just talk about Jalen and forget that. I mean, there's there's seven other guys in the squad that that on any given night, can put up 20. Um, and, and so that, that's really encouraging to me. Um, and I think our guys just do a great job of playing unselfish basketball. Um, you know, we, we've done a tremendous job on the assist portion of it, making the extra, um, and finding the open guy. And, you know, and when our offense is clicking like that, uh, it makes a world of difference. Um, but yeah, we're, we're kind of going back to, you know, the days of the Pistons and, uh, you know, get the ball in, in, and then work it from there. So this is a little old school NBA. Again, going to go back to my roots. I believe we're talking Bulls. I, I think you got the mm. team wrong again. I'm sorry, Bill. I, I don't mean to correct you on air. Uh, <laughs> so could not resist. Um, listen, you're in an interesting spot here. Two games back of trying with five to play with a game against trying to play. You're going to need a little help here to kind of make this interesting if you can, though I think the tiebreakers may still... Uh, let me double-check trying real quick. The tiebreakers might kind of foul up things here. Uh, I'm trying to remember if they played Hope twice yet. Yeah, uh, yeah they didn't play Hope twice. Yeah, they have, and they beat them twice, so you're going to need a little more help than that because they're going to have the tiebreaker on you all. I don't want to say yeah. it, that you're not playing for something, but do you have to kind of shift the focus here knowing that most likely trying's going to be the one... You'll be the two, and barring anything, you're going to have to go to their place for a title game. Or am I overthinking whatever you're all thinking? Well, and to be honest with you, um, and, and, and great, I, I, I do. You, you, you always have to look ahead a little bit. But, uh, I mean, you know, it's it's almost like the Bill Belichick. I mean, we're, we're on to Adrian, right? I mean, we, 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 we have to take this one game at a time, um, you know, continue to find out, hey, how can we evolve? How can we continue to get better as a team? Um, and you know, if, if it comes down to that, Hey, we'll, we'll go down to trying and just like any other game we're going to play and, and, and give it our best shot and see what happens. Right. I mean, the, the great thing for us is that, you know, we're, we're playing meaningful games right now and we have a chance to continue to play meaningful games. And if, if we can have that type of philosophy as a group, um, you know, I really like where we can go and we'll we can do i know i'm a little late on time here um for a lot of reasons but we haven't even dove into what the first half of the season was like you guys actually took on some pretty good teams and and i think that's kind of helping you a little bit right now obviously a marietta uh you lacrosse wheaton i know they're not the the behemoth of yesteryear but still really well coached program saint norbert stevens point who's been knocking off the top of this of the wyack Platteville, you lost to um, in a game that didn't seem close, but they have proven to be very good. And you beat who I think is a sneaky good Barry squad. Um, I don't think people realize just how good that unit really is. I know that's the first half, but at this point, this is when you lean on that, right? Not only to finish up conference play, but as you start looking somewhat ahead to a possible march. Absolutely. And I think that's that's the thing that's just interesting in D3, right? Is like, it doesn't matter if you won or lost uh, in November, December, January. I mean, every game matters. And I think, you know, that's that's where I thought we put together a really good non-conference schedule. It's really helped us. It's helped us prepare us for the conference. 
Um, and, you know, I think, again, when you look at our total work, um, it's been really good. And, uh, you know, we just have to continue to find that March through February um, of continuing to play really good basketball. Yeah, it's the March through February to hope to play in March thing. And you're right. I I, I, I like the fact that every game counts and means something. And I think mm-hmm. that's what's great about Division Three. It's There's no throwaway games. Uh, Even if you try and craft them to be throwaway, they will come back to bite you. Hey, Bill, uh, I know it's not the same league, but just for the record, I am uh, drinking from my Cubs cup. Hey, I I like the Cubbies. You understand when I was growing up, uh, the only thing I got was WGN. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. you know, so so I, I I watched a lot of Cubs games. Yeah, it's the only thing that kept me sane. Good back then. It's the only thing that kept <laughs> me sane when we moved to New England. So I get it. Yeah. Hey, uh, Bill, thanks for the time. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Love the insight on the Knights and, and the MIAA. I know there's a lot to play for. Uh, there's still a lot to a lot to go, but uh, uh, fascinating insight, especially after. I, I mean this after the two game slide. I get. I like getting that perspective instead of just talking to teams when they're always up on the kind of the top of the mountain. Uh, understanding yeah. what you all are going through and what you're dealing with and how you're adjusting is great insight. Um, Matt Snyder is going to be on the show later. I, I assume Zach Snyder, we should never discuss things with him ever in the future. Or right. is it Matt you don't want us talking with? I Well, we're, we're still on good terms with Matt. Um, okay. You know, when, when you have someone that not once but twice has picked against right calvin i mean right it, 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 it's a head scratcher right have you I guys mean, talked about taking his degree away well we we've certainly talked about not letting him into this into the Benord arena again uh, I mean, we can't take away his degree but i don't well, know i, I think I'm you could try for, <laughs> i'm hoping for a little penance somewhere along the line i mean you know I'm, I'm really looking for i haven't seen zach yet since since the last uh last pronouncement so i'm really looking forward to actually being able to you know Talk it over with him a little. Do bit. me a favor. Get his perspective. Make sure someone videotapes that for for you and sends it to us. I'd I'd like to I'd like to a watch it and maybe broadcast it. I think that'd be fascinating. Hey, All Bill, right. thanks so much for your time. As always, we give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those out there, including Zach, uh, uh, or anything that we missed? Hey, you know, it, it's it's just a pleasure to be behind you. Thanks, uh, thanks for the opportunity uh, to talk a little bit of Calvin University basketball. Um, MIAA, what a great conference. Really proud to to be a part of just a great co- coaching community here. And hey, thank you. I mean, this is this is so cool. Uh, you know, coming from Division Two, um, where you know you, you just don't have this type of community be out there that really just supports uh, you know these amazing student athletes. So thank you for what you do as well. Well, thank you, Bill. That means a lot. I, I appreciate that perspective as well. Um, we certainly enjoy it maybe to a, a to a fault uh, and and we enjoy being doing this and all this work so thank you for your time take care of yourself and we'll look forward to catching up with you and the nights at a later date hey thanks so much take care bill saul joining us here on the hoop saw hotline i'm going to do a little bit uh kind of radical here just to try and catch up on some time we're not going to take a break we actually taped a segment with our next guest um as we're going to shift gears talk men's basketball in the NESCAC. if you go up there uh that conference has certainly been interesting to say the least and one of the undefeated teams in the nation that i again maybe flying a little bit under the radar is trinity connecticut they're 20 and 0 6 and 0 in conference play but they've got a heck of a battle ahead here as they are on the road for their final four games of the regular season today at williams or I should say tonight tomorrow at middlebury then next week they're at Bates before playing Tufts. That Tufts game 
will be pivotal. I have a feeling, despite the fact that Tufts is essentially three games behind them with four to play, Williams is a half game behind Trinity in the NESCAC standings, followed by Connecticut College a game back at Trinity. Amherst and Middlebury at four and three. Tufts and Wesleyan are three and four. Hamilton, I'm sorry, three and three. Hamilton is three and four. So we caught up with James Cosgrove yesterday to talk about the conference, the the bantams and everything going on in um, in the land that is Connecticut, and what is so pivotal about this Trinity squad? We talked to him, like I said earlier on. Now joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, it's the head coach of the Bantams of Trinity men's basketball program. It's James Cosgrove. First coach, thanks so much for finding time to chat with us as you are in the midst of a a, a very travel-heavy part of your schedule. We should point out to everybody again, as I said in the intro, we are recording this because you guys are playing Williams tonight uh, on the road uh, and then Middlebury on the road the following night. And next weekend, you'll be on the road. We'll dive into that in a bit. But thanks for taking the time. Congratulations. You're having a wonderful season. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate being here. Absolutely. Um, listen, 20-0, and 0, coming off of back-to-back 16-win seasons, 17 wins prior to that. I mean, this is a this is a high-teen win program. The last time you had 20 wins in a season was 14-15 when you all went 23-7. and seven. I'll ask, did, did you expect to be this successful this season? Um, was 20 wins and no losses at this juncture even on your radar? Yeah, I mean, that's a tough one. I don't know if anybody ever goes into the season thinking uh, 20 wins and zero losses at this point. But uh, I did have high expectations for this group. It's 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 been a good group. And, uh, you know, we've we've been together for a while now. And we have some real good uh, upperclassmen that are uh, good leaders and uh, re- real excited about uh, our, our group, mo- most importantly. And I just think they're really dialed into being about the right things and working hard every day and getting better every day, which is what it's all about. Um, you guys have had some interesting competition. I, I would say it's run the gamut. You've got everything from Hartford, who's into Division Three now and trying to compete, a former NESCAC foe of yours as their head coach. You've also had St. Joseph's, Connecticut, who's obviously played really well in recent years. Um, and you've had the conference, of course. The conference is the conference. When it came to trying to f- get this schedule put together, what was, you know, a lot of coaches look at their their team and who, what they've got and the opportunities. What was the mentality when you guys put this together? What what did you want to challenge yourself with? Yeah, well, we, we want to get, you know, a, a tough schedule for sure. And, you know, obviously with the conference, it's going to be a tough schedule because of our conference. But, uh, you know, some of the non-conference and we have some logistics sometimes as far as travel and budget and whatnot. So, you know, to, to, to play a St. Joe's, even though it was uh, at a neutral site, you know, we love to play the St. Joe's. We love to play the Western Connecticut, Eastern Connecticut. We usually do, um, you know, now Hartford being right here. So, you know, just geographically, I think is, is important for us also just with our, you know, sometimes with our budget and, and, and our students, you know, with, with classes and whatnot. So that kind of, that kind of component is, is important to us as far as having a schedule where it's going to be conducive to the, uh, to our student athletes, uh, you know, not not missing too much class time in in uh, some of our our budget restraints that we have, you know, Division three, um, you know, just travel wise. You guys got rolling along, and you've had some pretty dominating wins. You just look at the start of this season; there was no close games. I don't think you had a tight contest till maybe Bridgewater State at the end of the regular uh, end of December I should say 8975 then Colby 8369 
otherwise i'm skipping over anna maria it was an 87 66 game but otherwise you guys at least by the end of a game were fully in control do you get worried especially when you go into nascac play that that can give you a little bit of a false sense of security oh yeah def- definitely you know going into nescac we knew you know in in the nescac it wasn't going to be like that um you know uh con college was a tough game you know we we ended up uh you know pulling out at the end uh, obviously wesleyan was an overtime two-point game which uh you know that's always a tough game with, with a well-coached team there so uh you know and we know you know we have four games coming up that they're all going to be uh you know tough battles so you know, we have had some games that it's been it's been some tough battles. Um, you know, especially like I said, you know, on the road at at, at Wesleyan and then Con College here. Um, so you know, we're you know we we've we've had some. We haven't had a ton, but I think uh, you know we we've been in situations where we've had to test ourselves and 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 played against real good teams. And uh, you know, I, I just feel that uh, you know we have a good group that can can play in a, in, a, in a number of different ways as far as a high scoring game, low scoring game. And, uh, you know, if it's going to be a, you know, a, a tight game, if, you know, if we're going to get ahead, you know, I, I think we got guys that can uh, play in all kinds of kinds of uh, conditions and situations for sure. You also have a, a, a roster that is kind of very balanced in terms of class experience. You're led by a senior in Ben uh, Callahan gold who averages 17 points a game, six and a half rebounds a game. He shoots 91% from the free throw line, which is pretty good, along with 44% from the floor. But then your second leading scorer is a sophomore in Henry Vetter at 14 points a game, five rebounds. I think he's tied for the most assists on the team and shoots you know, 45% from the floor and 94% from the free throw line. So right away, your top two top scorers, you've got a, a senior and a sophomore, shows the balance that this team has in terms of experience. Yeah, I, I think we have um, a, a number of kids in each class that uh, either are, are are doing very well for us and getting good statistics for us, or we feel very strongly that you know when their time comes and when they're given the opportunity, they're going to be be very good contributors. So uh, yeah, I, I think uh, all across all four classes, we feel confident with all our players for sure. The next two leading scores are seniors, and, and you got one graduate student on this program. A little bit of a rarity, certainly in the NESCAC schools. You're balanced, though. You're outscoring your opponents by 25 points a game. You've got three guys in double figures, and you've probably got another four or five who could certainly contribute and have a big night. What's is this a key where you you got to go through Callahan, Gold, Vetter, et cetera, or is it who's who's playing well? We're going to kind of lean on them tonight. Yeah, that's a great question. I think we can do both. To be honest with you, I think uh, you know there are nights when we're you know, we're relying on Benny's got it going or Henry's got it going or even Jarrell's got it going. And, uh, but then there's a lot of other nights when we have guys coming off the bench. Uh, you know, uh, we have a, we have a freshman who's had some big games, um, and Jared Barry, we've had some, uh, some, uh, juniors in, uh, Trevor McDonald, uh, Trevor's a sophomore, Trevor McDonald being a sophomore and, and Sean McCartrick being a junior, um, you know, Drew Lazar's another sophomore, you know, our, 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 um, our point guard, um, is 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 a junior in uh in will dorian so uh you know we have a lot of different you know we have a lot of different avenues that we can go to uh you know probably one of our biggest mainstay guys is the graduate student uh dana smith who's our top defender and plays you know if, if he's played you know the best five men on other teams and he's played the best point guards on other teams so uh you know we just i think we just uh one of our strengths is we have a lot of guys that can do a lot of different things and uh you know we can hurt you in a lot of different ways this uh, you're you're going into a really tough 
part of the schedule. We talked about a moment ago. You've already played your final home game. You had a doubleheader this past weekend against Hamilton and Amherst coming out with victories 80-51 to and 62-49 respectfully. But unfortunately, that means the next four are on the road. And what I find is interesting, Coach, is the next four are on the road to make sure that you can be at home for the conference tournament. Your first opponent is Williams, who's a game behind you in the standings, then Middlebury, Bates, and then Tufts. And Tufts is interesting because they had such a great start to the season. They're 16-4 and four right now, but they're 3-3 three and three in conference action. A couple games here and there, and Tufts is going to be right in the mix too. This, this is going to be a grind where every game is going to have a lot riding on it. You sound like me talking to my players, you know, like, (laughs) you know, we can't, we can't worry about the first 20 games. It's, it's everything's right now is in front of us. You know, I mean, you know, tomorrow night, uh, tonight uh, game with uh, Williams is, is is for first place. So, uh, you know, that's, you know, really right now, that's all we're looking at is, 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 you know, right now we're, you know, we're, we're, we're competing for home court, home court seed to to begin with. And then, uh, you know, then, you know, to be in the, you know, to be in the top four would, would be great in the league, and then, uh, you know, to 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 battle to to be a a home seed and to have the conference um, championships at your place and all those all things that are are real important. So every game here is is vitally important to us coming up for sure. Well, and the bigger trick too is okay. So Williams is currently a half game back of you at six and one. You're six and zero oh in conference play. Obviously, that's a battle for first place. Middlebury's only two and a half games behind you. Things can shift real fast, and they're going to be in the mix. Tufts is three games behind you. Again, we're four, we're four games out. This is not a, a sure bet. And to be honest, Bates, your penultimate game, yeah, they may be in the basement, but man, if you're looking ahead too far or you're still maybe licking your wounds or you're just glad you got through the first two and at two and oh, Bobcats could could bite you too. This is this is why I think this is a formidable stretch. No, no doubt. Very formidable stretch. And uh you know, all are tough places to play, and and all have good good teams and very well coached. And uh, you know, you know, honestly, we've been doing a good job of just one game at a time. And right now, our focus is on Williams, and uh, you know, and, and it's a big game at their place. So, you know, we're taking it one game at a time, and hopefully, we can just continue to do that. The women's programs had quite a bit of success in recent years. Heck, they were knocking on the door, playing it on their own home gym for the Final Four last year just missing out unfortunately they haven't had the same season they were maybe hoping for this year but still that success resonates i'm curious how much your team is impacted by their success we're, we're definitely impacted i mean we we i had most of my team last year uh you know i didn't have them they they went on their own and, and i went with my family to you know up to smith to to see them uh, in the sweet 16 and uh you know on the run they made and uh you know we, we you know hosting the final four here was uh, you know it's very impactful and and you know and for our guys to see all that and to say hey yeah this is you know this is great for our women's program and uh, you know why, why not us so it's it's definitely something that's uh, you know resonated and you know it's funny you mentioned that because you know the women they uh, they have their final four at home so you know they're in a you know they're in a, they're in a great position to uh, to make a run here also so uh, you know ho- hopefully they'll be able to do that as well. When you talk, I mean, you're, I think your 14th or 15th season at Trinity, you guys have been rather consistent, as we were talking about earlier. A lot of, you know, 15, 16, 17 win seasons. You're in the conference conversation almost every year. This feels maybe a little more special. Are you able to at, at least yet sit back and realize what kind of season you guys are putting together? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I I just think you know, be, being in the moment, I I think you know, day in and day out, just you know, coming coming to work every day and being with these kids and 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 the work that they're doing, because honestly, you know, you know, we we've been consistent and we've been the same each year, but I think you know, these guys right now have really had a a, a great mindset and a great focus to really play for each other and and, and to play for for Trinity basketball. So uh, I'm really excited about what they're doing. You know. Uh, you know, for, for all of us, but, but for those kids, especially. You were a St. Anselm graduate. Interesting enough, St. Anselm put their toe in the water about coming to division three, not so many years ago. It didn't work out. I think they got a little bit, uh, a little bit boisterous about their intentions and that dissolved, but you were a criminal justice major. Um, and you got a master's degree from sacred heart in teaching. When someone reads a bio like that coach coaching is not, what anyone thinks you would be doing with all that. We should point out you're a pretty good basketball player. You're in the St. Anselm Hall of Fame for your success with that program. I'm curious how you turn criminal justice and teaching into coaching. Well, you know, unfortunately, there's there's not many uh, coaching majors you can do. So uh, That's true. <laughs> that, that cuts it down. But, uh, you know, I was fortunate that uh, after I graduated, the, uh, the, the coach there, who's a, who's a legendary coach, Keith Dixon, who has 700 wins now at St. Anselm, he uh, he hired me as the uh, the part-time assistant, and uh, I've been very fortunate to be around some some great basketball royalty. Keith Dixon, 700 wins. The other assistant at St. Anselm was was Steve Clifford, who's now the uh, the head coach the head coach of the Charlotte Hornets, and uh, you know, and the, and the and the coach previous to them was was Bob Brown, who's a legendary coach. He coached ended up coaching at Boston University, he coached at Southern Maine to the Final Four. And coached at Boston University, and his son is Brett Brown. So, I've been very, very fortunate that I've been around some some great people and some great coaches. So, I think just uh, being around them when I was young kind of gravitated me to to want to be a coach and to try to help out uh, young men as they really helped me shape my my life and my my career for sure. You should also point out you're in the New England Basketball Hall of Fame for your success at, as a high school player at St. Thomas Prep in your college days at St. Anselm. You certainly had a heck of a career as a player, and you're you're turning that around into a heck of a career as a basketball coach as well. We congratulate you for that. Listen, this is a great season. You guys, uh, every time maybe someone has a question about what kind of team you are, you go out and get a big win in conference. I know the the rest of this hall is not going to be easy, but and, and I know you're not resting on your laurels. But I got to congratulate you on what you've done so far. Um, I appreciate your time. I know you got to get going. Um, an important trip ahead, but I, as always, we give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? No, I just really, David, really appreciate you uh, have, having me on and uh, you know spotlighting us a little bit at Trinity, and we're we're very honored. And uh, hopefully, we can keep keep working hard and keep progressing. Well, no truth to the rumor that Gordon Mann was putting pressure on that I that I had to get the Bantams on the show. Just for the record, I had no pressure at all from Gordon. Sounds good. Appreciate it. Hey, James, thanks for so much for your time. Good luck. I know this will be a tough stretch. Uh, we'll look forward to watching the games online, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot. Take care, Dave. James Cosgrove joining us here on the Hoopsville Hotline from Trinity. Appreciate Coach joining us on the show. Good conversation with him. Um, and, again, they're on the road at Williams um, this, this evening before then playing Middlebury tomorrow. Big set of games for them on the road. Again, their last four on the road is going to be pivotal. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we will talk 
Uh, more men's basketball with Penn State Harrisburg on Friday on a Friday show. Seems appropriate. Back with more on the annual Hoopsville Marathon. The National Association of Basketball Coaches is the nation's premier professional development and advocacy organization for basketball coaches at every level. The NABC strives to serve as the voice for coaches on national issues while advancing the core value of leadership, service, advocacy, education, and inclusion. To learn more about the NABC and to become a member, visit nabc.com and follow the NABC on social media at nabc1927. That's nabc.com or nabc1927 on social media. I used to never really talk. Ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over two decades. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoops All in the Marathon as we continue to roll along here. Still ahead, we've got lots to talk about on the 10th Annual Hoops All Marathon. We're about halfway through. Uh, coming up next, we'll be talking to Penn State Harrisburg men's basketball coach Don Friday, but then we'll head out to Willamette, talk women's basketball with their head coach, Peg Swanner, uh in the Northwest Conference. Then we'll have a, a bit of an ode to the Cabrini program that is going away before we'll double take on both the men's and women's top 25s. Farmingdale State men's basketball coach Brendan Twomey still ahead, and then we'll talk to the National Committee chairs. So there's still plenty ahead on this jam-packed 10th annual Hoopsville Marathon. A reminder, we're also raising funds. I want to thank a few of you who've already donated to the cause today. This fundraiser isn't just today, but we're certainly doing our heavy lifting today. Our Venmo information at the top of the screen. For those of you interested in PayPal, we're going to try and figure that out. We haven't been able to figure out why PayPal won't work for us, but we'll dive into that in a bit. Uh, but they also have this program called Give Butter. So if you go to our show page, you can find a link for that. Back to Penn State Harrisburg. It seemed appropriate that on a Friday show, we talked to a coach named Friday. Don Friday, that is. He's the head coach of the Penn State Harrisburg team that I think a lot of people overlook. I know a number of people were thinking about them for top 25 attention. 
They are a team you probably don't want to see in the first round. Ask Johns Hopkins about that. In the last couple of years, last couple of tournaments, they've had a couple of players at Penn State Harrisburg that have made Penn, uh, tournament games an absolute nightmare and sometimes an early exit. Yeah, talking about that squad. We talked to Penn, Don Friday. Unfortunately, not on Friday, but we did talk to him for this Friday show. Now joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, it's a head coach of Penn State Harrisburg men's basketball. It is Don Friday. And sir, forgive the pun that I already mentioned in the intro, and I will say again, it's appropriate to have a Friday on a Friday show. Welcome. One in 52 chance, right, Dave? One <laughs> true, in- true. Very hey. good point, especially for a show that normally goes Mondays and Thursdays. Hey, it's it's a play. It's first. It's an honor, and it's uh, it's great to be here. And uh, you know, we're excited to talk about our program. Well, yeah, as always, you're one of those programs I've always got my eye on. Um, I'll, I'll dive into some of the history later, but you've had a team that has always been flirting with the top twenty-five, or at least in the conversation, because your results always kind of speak volumes. Uh, you're outscoring your opponents by ten points a game right now, and you're certainly playing really good basketball. What is it that you guys have created there over the past five, six, some odd years that, uh, other than having a player maybe who's stuck around for six years, um, what, what, what have you created there that is working so well for your program? You know what? I think we, like for me, uh, being here, I figured out who we were as a program, uh, how we had to work the Penn State system, and what worked here at the university. And the, the person that really helped me with that the most was my director of athletics, Rashawn Carlton. Like we talked, you know, my first couple of years here, you know, it, it, we had some turbulence and we were, we were, my second year, we were three and 22. And, you know, then we flirted like eight and 17, nine and 15, you know, and it really tests you. And, you know, we talked probably in like the end of 16, 17, and, and hey, this is what we need to do. And, and you know what? We started getting kids that, hey, really good, really good students that had an aptitude for basketball like to work out, uh, wanted to be at our campus for four years. And we tried to go with four-year kids. And, you know, here we are now. I mean, and we caught lightning in a bottle with a couple guys, you know, Dylan Daniels, Pedro Rodriguez, Zegri Scott, you know, Don Ye, Nate Curry. And we were able to use that to really attract other really good kids to come in here. So, I mean, we tried to vet it out. You know, I, I think we first got here, we rolled out the the net and see who, who could we get, who could play. And, so much more to that now. And as I've gotten older and more experienced in this, um, it's really about a fit. And we're not for everybody. But, you know, the guys that do come here, I, you know, I'm very proud of the fact that, you know, some of the young men that have gone four years to our program, you know, they're working at Hershey Chocolate. They're working at Select Medical. Uh, they're working at J.P. Morgan Chase. They're doing some really, really good things. And we have some guys making six figures out of here. And and I like to think that we give a little bit on that transcript when they leave here with the academics of the diligence and the stick to itness and, and what you learn being on a team as an NCAA athlete. Uh, that's what we're most proud of here. And, you know, this winning thing has been fun and we want to keep it going that way, Dave. Don, it speaks volumes. If you've got guys coming out working at big program or big uh, businesses and making six figures coming out of, and I'm going to say this tongue-in-cheek, lowly Penn State Harrisburg. I mean, that that speaks volumes to what you really are as an institution and a program. And maybe when we talk about the history a little bit more, it'll drive home the fact that I, I still don't quite understand 
the moves, and I know it's above you, but let's talk about your team here because you talked about a couple guys who've been there a few years. They're in their final swan songs, as it was, uh, as it were. Sorry, Donye Baylor Carroll, for example, is one of them. Uh, Nate Curry is another. Uh, they're leading the way right now, seventeen points a game for Donye. Nate's got fourteen points a game. Donye's pulling down uh, th- almost four rebounds. Curry's pulling down another nine. They've been the ones who've been with you the longest. They've been through the tough parts. They've been through the COVID. They've been through the 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 uncertainty and they've been through some of the other things that have been going with this program they're truly the bedrock aren't they 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 are the bedrock and you know they have been around here and you know with don yeah i know people will joke with me and say hey he's been here a long time well hey listen life's not linear and you know people that know donye's story and i've said this before you know he came up through milton hershey kindergarten through 12th grade he was raised by his great-grandmother his great-grandmother and she passed away Going into his freshman year, he was here in an orientation in June. And she had a stroke, and then she succumbed later that summer. Um, he is an absolutely incredible person, and he has a great heart. He does the right thing. Uh, what's been really neat, Dave, with our team this year, like we have some freshmen uh, that are pretty talented guys, and Donnie is really taking those guys under his wing. And, you know, we had a guy that need, doesn't have a car, needs to get to a haircut, or he's going to the train. Donnie Baylor Carroll is the first guy to volunteer to do that. Well, that also translates over to the basketball court. You know, Nate, uh, you know, I think back to like COVID, right? They got me through COVID uh, in, in terms of the support and, you know, kind of being in touch and, and being around. And, you know, that that part of it will be forever. will be forever linked because of that long after the, the basketball part is done. But, you know, to really be direct with our team, you know, we're 19 and three and, and we – you know, the numbers, people look at, the, hey, United East and Penn State Harrisburg, and they think satellite campus. Well, hey, we have 5,000 students to go to our campus. And we're very well resourced in terms of a university with technology and education and reach, uh, career planning and placement. We've got the biggest alumni network in the world. I know I'm sounding like, an inst- like I'm doing an institutional inst- infomercial, but we got 5,000 kids. We're not scratching to say, hey, are we going to stay open? So there's security with that. The other part is, we have kids here. We have 36 majors that end on this campus. You know, we have technology. Like, hey, we bring kids here. And, you know, in this day and age of diversity, equity, inclusion, and bringing kids from all different backgrounds and, and all different makeups, the bottom line is we have the resources to support our kids when they're here. And that's why they're getting the jobs. That's why our retention is really high. And that's why I think our kids are flourishing. So it becomes basketball when it's about basketball, when it's academics, it's about academics. But to go into our team and, you know, here's what we fight. You know, we're 19 and three and like a local publication here in the state, you know, they, they called us out like three weeks ago and they said, I think at one point, a less than flattering non-league schedule. And, you know, you want to puff your chest up and say, hey, when we did our non-league schedule last year, the record of the teams that we put on our non-league schedule was 241 and 120. Now, we were originally banking on Susquehanna being there, but we got knocked off by John Carroll. So, you know, that threw it into play. And. You know, we put on that league, Kane, Marymount, St. John Fisher, John Carroll, Randolph-Macon, Bridgewater, Muhlenberg. And we said, hey, let's go out and let's let's get a schedule that's going to make us better because we know what happens. We get into our league. The number of guys say, oh, look at their not look at their strength of schedule. So we said we were going to go out and we were, we were going to combat that. Hey, when we went to Randolph-Macon, I mean, five teams we on our non-league went to the NCAA tournament last year. I can't control who came back, who didn't come back, who got sick, who let and transferred out. I mean, we played what we did. And, 
you know, some of the teams we played this year, they're really good and, and they're having good years. Uh, Kane, we opened up with Kane. Their, their big kid, Barker, was, you know, he played, we got his very best. He played four games. I don't know if he's hurt or, or banged up, but they're a whole different team with the kid, Barker. He's one of the best players in the country. So we're not apologizing for that. But when people say that we haven't played a great schedule, like if you look into regionally ranked teams right now, Rowan, they're off the chart because of the NJAC and what they do with their, their non-league. We're second, we're second in regionally ranked teams in that, that uh, region four. So, hey, it is who it is. Like I can't go to our president and say we're going to play these league games. I go where they send us to go, and we prepare that way. So, you know, I, I hope, you know, and I'll say this in our league, John Mack at Lancaster Bible, he's a terrific coach. Chris Harney at St. Mary's, he's a terrific coach. I mean, we got some good coaches in our league. And the last time I looked, the last three years, the last three times that our teams have gone to the NCAA tournament, we've won opening round games. So when people, like, say, hey, the United East, we got some good teams here. Are we top to bottom? No, we're not. And, and that's we can't control that. I can't control what my neighbors do, but I can control what we do. And, and I know there's some teams in our league that are pretty good. And we got we got three games to go yet. I'm not thinking about three. I'm thinking about Abington and how we can survive our next game and, and keep moving on. But we feel pretty good about what we got. And, you know, again, if you're going to look at numbers and you don't look at our physicality and Nate Curry and Donya Baylor Carroll, I, I would never say an absolute. Dave, they can play in any team in the country. Uh, Nate Curry could probably play in the Northeast Conference in some some programs. And Donye Baylor-Carroll in the right fit, he could play at a higher level as well. So those two guys are ultimate teammates that we got here. And we got some really, really good guys around them that, that fit in. And, hey, we're excited. And if we get a chance to get called in March, hey, if you want to say we're a low seed and you want to say we're from a bad conference, hey, let's see how you feel when we tip it up and, and we'll go from there. And that, you know, but we're not gonna we're not gonna sit here and say, hey, give us this. Got to go out and earn it. Respect's earned. Trust is earned. Uh, we got to produce. That's the bottom line. We got to perform. Um, a lot to unpack there, but I will say, going back to Donye Baylor Carroll, if anybody's got to remember who he is, go back to the nineteen twenty first round. You know, the year that everything got shut down. Go to Johns Hopkins, where things were really wonky right out of the gate. And I'll point you to a game where you guys beat Johns Hopkins 104-96 in double overtime. It was a bonkers game. He put up 45 in 47 minutes of action. Nate Curry put up 19 in his 48 minutes. Um, you Baylor Carroll was the one that stirred the drink, going 9 of 18 from beyond the arc, 12 of 27 from the floor, 6 assists, 5 rebounds on top of that. Those two have that in their bedrock. So when you say first round, watch out for us, it's because those two especially know exactly what it is like to knock off a behemoth and to do it in the first round of a tournament on the road. 100%. And, you know, those guys, and here's what we've been very careful with going into this. Like today becomes for us, hey, we're phase one yet, but today becomes February focus for us. Like this is where you really got to be dialed in and locked in with your program. So, these next three weeks, if we're going to do what we have to do, this isn't the time to say, let's catch our breath and, okay, you know, this is tiring. No, we have to go now. We have to start our ascension up. And what we've been very careful is with Curry and with Donye, with Donye Baylor-Carroll and with Nate Curry, is to manage their load a little bit in practices and keep these guys fresh. Because, you know, Nate, we got to throw him out of the gym. Like He almost goes where he does too much. 
Donye being off and he's not the biggest guy. I mean, hey, we went, you know, we've been in a couple of rugby matches the last couple of weeks with some of our opponents where they beat they beat him up pretty good. And our kids, man, they just stay with their poise and keep playing. We got to be fresh here now for February. And I think we've been very careful with that. And, and we're taking advantage of that we got eight days before we play again, you know, after, after our game on uh, Tuesday night. So we've been managing our guys the right way, getting treatment and we're going to go through Donye and Nate. It's no secret. But we got some other guys, Isaiah Eggleston, Alex Liba, Isaiah Million, uh, Malik Collin, Dylan Moore. Those guys are pretty good players, but we know who's going to kick the door in and then who got to follow behind with them. A little bit of the schedule. I also feel like you've had a little bit of bad luck um, in terms of, I think you had the right mentality in terms of scheduling. Kane, an 18 wins team, you beat them by eight. They're a 10 win team currently. In the middle of their conference, uh, St. John Fisher over the years has has been a pretty good program. They're all right. They're not bad this year. Um, John Carroll, listen, you're within twenty. I, I give you a tip of the hat because especially at that point in the season, they were unstoppable. Messiah is just not the program we're used to. Uh, that probably in your mind was a good pickup, but they're just struggling this year. Uh, you jump down Bridgewater State or Bridgewater Virginia, uh, Virginia one, not State Bridgewater is turning into an interesting squad. They're, they're kind of rising the ODAC standings. You lost, though, by 16 to them. Um, and you got Randolph-Macon there, lost by 19 to them. Muhlenberg, usually a pretty good squad. Ke- Kevin Hopkins has a pretty good unit there, but they're struggling with this year. So it felt like you, you got some behemoths, but unfortunately lost to them. Then you got some others that you beat that normally would be pretty good. They're just not having great seasons this year. Right. And listen, stuff happens, right? Uh we go to Bridgewater, like this knucklehead me, I scheduled four games in seven days. You know, we played Gallaudet. We went to CCNY on a month. We played Gallaudet Saturday, CCNY on Monday. Thursday night, we played at Newman. And then we go to Bridgewater. We're, de- we're going down 81. We get, we run into an accident. We double back. We go down to Frederick, over across whatever, 68, and then get down on 81 again. Oh, yeah, 15 to 201 to 7 or something like that, yeah. Roll in there. We roll in there at 145. They move the game back to 215 for us. I, I had guys getting taped on the toilet. And we went in there. We played. We had no, hey, they played great. And you know what? We learned about ourselves because in the NCAA tournament, you got to play, you got to play really good teams in short windows of time. But the John Carroll and the Randolph Macon, hey, great programs, tip of the cap to them. That gave us a great opportunity. Like, well, we got back after John Carroll, just like we did after Randolph Macon. Like our guys were better focused in the weight room because those teams, like, hey, they got really good players. Like the, the wing for John Carroll, that guy, I, I don't know in the American East or the Patriot League or the Ivy, but, hey, they threw a half-court lob to that dude, and he cocked it back and put it on our guy's head, and then he was doing step-back threes. He could play at a lot of places, right? He came, like, from Dayton to Ohio to John Carroll. Uh, they're great players, and they're physical, and they make you have to go – Many layers into your thing. Randolph making the same way. Like, I really admire the way Josh's team is because here's the thing. Not many teams. They guard every pass, every cut, every screen. They contest every shot for the whole game. That made us better. And they expose some of our flaws so that we get into, you know, if we get are fortunate, and I say fortunate, to get beyond our, you know, conference tournament, we will not be we will not be enamored or all of a sudden like in awe of like physicality because we've seen two really really good programs and it's good feedback right curry competed really, really well in those games some of the other guys 
it was a little bit of a wake up call, right? It's an yeah, eye sure. Quickly, let me talk about your conference before we let you go. The UEC, of course, it's the merger of the UEC and the CSAC. We and you're playing essentially your old conference as a division mate. You lose an AQ. The two of you are going to have to face off whoever the comp champions are of each side for the AQ. All right, so that was the Band-Aid for this year. It's not a great one because you're having to play a monster schedule versus the other side who's playing a smaller conference schedule. Um, what, what do we? What's the future? What, what, what does this look like in terms of divisions? What does this look like in terms of a combination? Does anyone have any idea? Because we can't keep it this way. Right. I think I think we have great leadership with Stephanie Dutton, our conference commissioner. And, you know, I know that Rashawn, you know, here, our director of athletics at Penn State University, Harrisburg, I think they have a pretty good vision on where they want to go with this. Um, you know, talking about still with the divisions and, you know, we do what a round robin in our one division, do a crossover in the other. I hope that we can do something where we can continue to go out and aggressively schedule really good non-league opponents so that it helps our strength of schedule in the long run with that but it's anybody's guess and but hey, don doesn't this have to get balanced evenly I, I, it absolutely does have to get balanced evenly but i think you look at coming out of covid and schools like in the financial ramifications and the commitment to athletics hey you know we think we're very important here we, we're talking basketball on a, on a on a sports show but in reality, these presidents and universities, right, they're trying, they're in survival mode and they got to figure out what's going to be best to keep their doors open. So although we think we're very important, we're a small part of that. And, you know, we're just kind of waiting for that next that next um, directive on, on where we're going to go. But, you know, it's hard because a lot of our schools are public schools, right? The private schools don't want us. And, and where are we going to go? And, and I think this was a, at least a thing right now to keep to keep the league moving forward and give student athletes an opportunity to still compete and, and do it in, in different spaces. But Hey, I, again, I, uh, I'm subordinate and I go where they, they tell us to go and, and what they want us to do. And, and then we make sure that our kids, Hey, we keep it positive and keep it moving forward. I miss you in the old CAC, sir. I'll be a blunt. I, I, I still think that was a weird decision. Yeah. Right. And I think, for, for a lot of reasons, I think the president's, you know, but when we jumped into that, were we maybe totally prepared to jump into that CAC? I don't know if we were. No, but um, you got better. I have, listen, that helped with recruiting because that was a huge separator. When we sat and talked to a young man and, you know, we're going to play Mary Washington, Christopher Newport, Salisbury, right? That we were, we had really good credibility. Wesley was in that. Marymount was in that. Um, that was really, really good. And I think it gave me a blueprint. We got pounded, but they're the kind of kids we needed. And, you know, when we would get it, like we were in some of our non-league games after being in that CAC, no disrespect, it was a breather because you know, we were like eight and one a couple of times you get in the CAC and you got, you got beat up pretty good. But I think it's made us as a program, we knew where we had to go and, and, and get better with that. And, and I, think we're, I think we're on par with that right now where we're at. Well, hey, sir, I appreciate the time you gave us and, and the chat and uh, just the insight on your program, the UEC, and the rest. I talked to you for much longer, like all of our guests, but we got to let you go. And I know you got things to do, and we got a lot of guests to get to. So thank you for your time and, and your insight. We wish you the luck, all the luck, the rest of the way. And hopefully, we'll be talking about Harrisburg on a show in about uh, three, and a week, three and a half weeks' time. In the meantime, though, we always give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? Absolutely, Dave. And I, I think for us, right, I'm 
I am very fortunate to be part of we. Uh, we meaning like my staff, Gary Jarofsky has been with me as a close confidant. Will Cabrera, who's just done a great job coming on here and, you know, head coaching experience. Chris Nuwandu, uh, my son Donald Jr., Mark Zerby, and, and Sam Schlosser. Hey, those guys, couldn't do it without them, and I couldn't do it without our good people here. And I'm a product of great people that are that play for us, and we're here to serve them. And I hope we can make great memories for them, but I know we're making great men, great, uh, strong Penn State graduates. And hopefully we can uh, win, some, uh, win some games and mess up some brackets in March. Well, congratulations nonetheless. You guys are doing great, and I appreciate the time you gave us. Good luck the rest of the season. We'll look forward to catching up with you down the road. Hey, thanks for all you do for college basketball at this level. It makes a big difference, and it makes us feel valued and appreciated. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Enjoy chatting with you. Take care. Don Friday, joining us here on the Hoopsville Hotline. Great conversation with Coach Friday there. I really appreciated the time he gave us. Uh, always a fired-up guy. I love chatting with him. Penn State-Harrisburg, another team. Again, I said it earlier, is going to be a team you don't want to face in the first round. they got a really good talent there. When we take, We're going to take a break. When we come back, we will head out to Willamette. We will talk women's basketball with a program that maybe their overall record's not jumping out, but their conference record certainly is. They are on a tear, and they have shook up the Northwest Conference. We'll talk to Willamette Women's Basketball when we come back on the 10th Annual Hoopsville Marathon presented by D3Hoops.com. The National Association of Basketball Coaches is the nation's premier professional development and advocacy organization for basketball coaches at every level. The NABC strives to serve as the voice for coaches on national issues while advancing the core value of leadership, service, advocacy, education, and inclusion. To learn more about the NABC and to become a member, visit nabc.com and follow the NABC on social media at NABC1927. That's nabc.com or NABC1927 on social media. Something I discovered in myself is that if I have a goal, I can accomplish it. It's a well-rounded experience. At a Division three school, you primarily a student-athlete, so the school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. to stop sexual assault in any way that we can to get a friend home safe to never blame the victim it's on us to stand up to make our community safe for all it's on us it's on us to look out for each other at parties it's on us to be more than just a bystander to step up and say something it's on us all of us to, to stop, stop sexual assault learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org These are your teams, your players, your community of fans. This is where they play, where they practice, where you cheer at every meet, every event, every game. Your community is passionate, dedicated, supportive, 
You know the tension of a close game and the thrill of the win. So while you're cheering, keep an eye out for anything out of the ordinary. If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities. Now, join, well, welcome back, everybody, as we continue to roll along on the 10th Annual Hoopsville Marathon. Still ahead, some special segments, including our men's and women's top 25 panels. Our pundits will come on with their deep-dived, debatable, and, and uh, dubious uh, selections of the week. Plus, we still have the men's and women's national committee chairs to join us here on the show. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. It is the 10th Annual Hoopsville Marathon here in our 21st season. We're raising funds, obviously, to keep our efforts going moving forward, but there's lots of ways you can give to the program. By the way, coaches out there, I already know a few of who contacted us in the last couple of weeks. If you want to add to our decor in the backdrop, give me, uh, send me an email and we'll, we'll make it work. All right, let's head to the Northwest Conference, a team that I've had an eye on the, for a while now, to be completely honest, but have been biding my time trying to find the right time to bring them on and talk, are the Bearcats of Willamette in women's basketball action. They may not stand out when you look at an overall record at 12-8, and eight, but look at the Northwest Conference record, 9-1. and one. They are tied with Pacific right now atop the conference with a two-game lead on Puget Sound and a th- uh, two-and-a-half game lead on Whitman. Uh, and while things may have been bumpy early on, they are on a roll right now in conference play, having won five in a row and seven out of six with a double overtime loss to the aforementioned Pacific, the only bump in the road, let's say. There's a lot riding on the, on the, on the line here, and for the Salem-Oregon-based program, they're having a pretty spectacular season by all accounts. Joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline to talk all about it from the Northwest Conference, it's Peg Swendner. Did I say it right? Swadener. Swadener. Yeah. I it's, it's about rolling through the middle part of that yes. that I got to yeah. remember. Peg Swadener joins us on the Hoopsel Hotline to talk about it. Coach, first and foremost, thanks for taking the time in joining us here to talk about your Bearcats second. This this is fun to watch from afar. I, I don't know what it's like to be in your shoes, but from afar, I've been enjoying kind of what you all are doing to the conference right now. Yeah, well, I appreciate being on the call today. I know that uh, out here in the Northwest, we don't, often get a lot of notoriety nationally. I think we've got an incredible conference. Um, Whitman obviously has, has been a stronghold through the years, and uh, but there's been a lot of other teams. And so it's, you know, we've been fighting our battle and building through the years, and it's just really fun to be able to be on a, on a call and actually talk about our team and talk about our conference a little bit. So, yeah, it's, it's been a fun journey for sure. Um, as you mentioned, we started off a, a little slow um, as we were – trying to get healthy through the season. You know, we have two starters, one one in Ava Kitchen, our, our big post player who was out last year because of an ACL. And um, our starting point guard, Megan River, was recovering from a shoulder surgery. So we weren't at full strength at the beginning part of the season, played an incredibly difficult conference or preseason um, schedule. And so we we as they have gotten healthy and we've gotten more acclimated into our system, we've got just gotten better and better. So it's it's been a fun ride. Do me a favor and give us a little bit of a sense of what that early season was like. We 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 obviously know what Whittier brought to the table when you played them and Mary Harden Baylor and right. Chapman. You traveled quite a right. bit, we should we should point out. Concordia, Wisconsin, yeah. etc. Yeah. But you also had some games in there that that we can't fully appreciate in in Bushnell, Oregon Tech, and Portland, along with Western Oregon. Right. So from yeah. your perspective, and and you guys did, you had you had some rough stretches, obviously, as you mentioned, due to injuries. But what what was that schedule like from the perspective of you all? Right. Well, so when I was putting the schedule together, I really try to put the preseason, as any coach does, try to put the preseason together to put us in position to succeed once conference starts. 
And with our conference schedule, we were playing seven of our first or six of our first eight games on the road. So we were starting the season with the, the Whitman and Whitworth trip, which is a difficult trip. Um, had to play UPS on the road, PLU on the road, um, Pacific on the road. So I, I scheduled preseason games on the road specifically for us to get used to playing on the road because we were going to need to win some games early. Um, so we were able to play at Colorado College, play a couple games there. Um, luckily, we're able to play Trinity. You know, Trinity was playing up at UPS in Tacoma, so I was able to play that game up there. And then we were able to play the Mary Harden-Baylor game at Pacific. Um, so, so some smaller road trips. But because we're in the Northwest Conference, it's really difficult to fill a full schedule with D3 games. Um, just because there's a limited amount of, of games we can play out here. We've got the SIAC down south. But if we're trying to schedule games to really um, test our, our test our abilities to prep us for the conference, you know, Northwest Conference is such a strong conference, so we really need to be playing the best of the best. And it's difficult to get some of those West Coast, East Coast, uh, the Midwest and East Coast teams out here. And so I end up having to schedule, as does most of our conference, we have to schedule a couple of NAIA D3 game, or D2 games um, to try to build our, our just our quality of play. Um, so Bushnell is a local NAI team that's traditionally been a very strong team. Um, Oregon Tech is now ranked, I think, uh, I think they're 20th or 22nd um, nationally NAIA. Um, and then the University of Portland, um, they're second in the second in the WAC and Division One level. And so those are all games I try to schedule to really test our skills and um, to really push us going against some bigger, stronger scholarship players. But because of that, we end up taking some losses against some great NAIA D2 and D1 teams, which hurts our schedule, but it really does help us when it comes to conference play. I, I, I went through the schedules of all the women's programs. I think seven of the eight in the Northwest Conference have uh, a mixture of, as you point out, those NAIAs and non-Division three opponents. I think there was one, it may have been Pacific, um, who has nothing but Division three opponents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, and and I know you have to balance that. I, one of the other refrains we hear out of the Northwest Conference too is, you know, we don't get enough respect in terms of. And let me rephrase that of the committee, national committee, in terms mm-hmm. of at larges and and being able to host. And we've certainly seen some occasions when that has happened back in the glory days of George Fox and some mm-hmm. of the rest. I'm just curious. Do you all, as coaches, have conversations to try and find ways to get more Division three opponents, whether? It's a uh, an event where you can be there along with another one hosting and you bring two schools in. Uh, you mentioned traveling. We obviously have the D3Hoops.com Classic, but going down to the Sky and some other places. I'm very curious on the conversations you all are trying to have to maybe organize, coordinate, or just attack trying to bolster those resumes as best you can considering the circumstances you're in. Yeah, I, and I think it, it really does need to be a concerted effort. And I know that um, some... Some of our coaches in our conferences have done, have done a really good job. Alicia up at Pacific has done a great job bringing teams in. Um, so she was able, like you mentioned, they have a full D3 schedule. Um, and that really helps, you know, from the national committee to take a look at it and the regional rankings. Um, it's important to have D3 games. And so she's done a good job bringing teams into Forest Grove, um, being able to bring them in. And I know that Casey up at UPS has also done traditionally a very, very good job bringing in quality D3 games um, and then obviously a Michelle up at up at Whitman does a phenomenal job and so um, the thing that I feel like we I would like to take to the next level is we often are playing regionally ranked games but they're always within the region 10 I would love for us to start playing some outside of region 
because as we beat each other in Region 10, it just brings us down. For example, you know, we're able to sweep Whitman, which is wonderful for us, but that takes Whitman out of the top 25, which actually hurts the conference a little bit. So I would love for us to really work together and create some, some play where we're able to get some out of region teams in, um, in the Northwest, and then we can travel to each other and, and be able to really compete against some of those other regions rather than just knocking each other out within the region. Yeah, Michelle, friends. That's going to be the really next step. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And Michelle Friends, of course, I think yeah. former National Committee member. I don't believe she's still yes. on it. Yeah, I didn't I didn't get a chance to quickly look yeah, up. Yeah, she was a couple years ago, yeah. Yep, that's mm-hmm. what it was. Uh, I didn't get a chance to double check that before I mentioned yeah, no. made yeah. that comment. The committee changes so often, I lose track. Um, and I agree. I think that's that's certainly where you want to be. And that's obviously shamelessly, you know, D, they got the D3 hoops on. <laughs> the D3 hoops top com classic yeah. in Las Vegas. We've had a, a handful of Northwest yes. schools who have been able to come down uh, and take part in that to get that cross-pollination, as it were. Uh, what's interesting, too, is that Region 10 has changed a little bit, that playing those Texas mm-hmm. schools helps and hurts, to your argument. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, I think you still have to play in your region. But as you say, you don't want to overpopulate. Yeah. Um, interesting enough, I saw a couple of Skyac teams spending the money to head east and mm-hmm. play some games. I know this becomes a financial conversation, so mm-hmm. I do appreciate that, especially in this day and age where, where budgets are getting a little tighter because enrollments are getting tighter, that you know investing in doing that is a challenge. But at the same time, you got to sometimes entice schools to come to you. It's, it's a financial conversation it ultimately, is. right? And does that come down to the school or is that going to come down to your, your alumni and others who donate to the program in helping you achieve maybe that goal? Well, I think it's a combination of the two, you know, because I feel like here at Willamette, I have incredible support from our my AD and, and the administrative staff and being able to travel. I think, you know, I, I talk to a lot of different schools and coaches about whether they can come out here or what, you know, and they just don't have the ability to travel. And we do, you know, but we're limited really, you know, with the academic standards we have. I can't travel every single weekend across the country. You know, I'm able to go to Colorado College. We're able to travel over Thanksgiving. We can travel over Christmas, but we're limited. That really gives us four games maybe on the road, and we have another five that we need to schedule. So when you're talking about being able to bring quality teams out here, then it's really you're talking about guarantees and the amount with it was a lot easier before the COVID era. Um, because once COVID hit after that year, you know, we shut down pretty much here on the West Coast. So it was difficult. We lost a lot of the home and home contracts at that time. Um, and then obviously travel has become so much more expensive because of the Midwest and the East Coast. There's in Texas, they all can drive to, I mean, you would know better than I, but there's like so many options that you can play outside of your own conference. So you, why would you spend the money to come out here? So it really comes into the guarantee we would have to pay somebody to come out here is sometimes just as much as what it would cost for us to have the experience to travel. And so it's just a matter of finding the combination. Again, I've got great support here. It's just a matter of figuring out the schedule, figuring out, you know, who wants to play us. I know that it's also difficult. I think, I think there's respect for the Northwest conference from coaches and they know how difficult it is to come out here and play, you know, they're willing to come out, but it's, it's a tough place to play. It's a long trip. And, um, so it's really just trying to balance all of it. But that's I, 100%. That's why we have to really finalize our schedules with a couple, excuse me, a couple of NEIA games. Coach, I'm, I'm stunned to hear you say you're not a Division One program <laughs> <laughs> with all the money, you know, to do whatever the heck <laughs> yeah. you want with yeah. your own flights. <laughs> um, yeah, no, great points across the board. I appreciate your frankness on it as well. 
um, to give us that perspective on it all. By the way, open invitation, Las Vegas. If you need a game, I would send, love to come down. Bring the men yeah, down we, too. By the way, I'm surprised yeah. you're not enticing them with the the beautiful uh, Pinot Grigios and, and the like oh, right. in Willamette Valley, right? Yeah, I'd really have to give a couple days off in between games to really let people enjoy that to the fullest. Yeah. For multiple reasons. Yeah, yes. exactly. No, great wine in the Willamette mm-hmm. Valley, to Water say the least. Wine. Yes. Hey, let's talk about your team a little bit. Uh, I didn't I didn't mean to dive off into a rabbit hole there yeah, uh, no worries. with scheduling, but I appreciate your, your front uh, or frankness about it all. Uh, you've got um, an interesting balance between uh, experience and youth, and you're really being driven by that balance uh, mm-hmm. in a junior and um, Elise Waddle at 13 points a game. You got uh, Carolyn Ho, a senior, at uh, nearly 11 points a game. You got Caitlin Amai, a sophomore, at 10 and a half. You, you've got this balance, at least in the top three, of that experience, the youth, et cetera. And I think that's what makes you maybe a little bit dangerous. You, you've got some who understand it and some who don't care. And I mean that out of respect. <laughs> Yep. Yep. No, I think, I think, uh, you know, even with our six seniors, really only one of them has played four years, you know, five of our six seniors have only played three years because we were shut down during the COVID year. So while we are mature, we are still experienced on the floor. And I think that actually plays to our benefit because we're a little bit naive when we can just go out and play. And I know that there's a lot of coaches that will get on right now and, you know, we're nine and one and we're tied for first and we've got a big game coming up against Pacific on Tuesday and then but we've got to get through PLU today and Linfield tomorrow. Um, but there's there's some youthful just naivete with our group where they're just, you know, we talk a lot about just having a faceless opponent and we prep and we have a game plan and we just kind of go out and play. And I've found in the last couple of weeks, you know, we are playing better. We go in with a game plan. We've worked on a lot of different things. We've grown through the course of the year. And it's really just a matter of me just sitting back and letting our players go play. And that's when they really shine the most. And um, one of the really benefits that we have with this team is our versatility. Like you said, we have four players averaging in double figures and they're all different kind of players. And, um, you know, we have Ava Kitchen back, our dominant post player, which adds depth in the post with Ashley Collins, who was our only post player last year. And to have depth of two true fives and to be able to do things inside rebounding defensively. Um, you know, I've got an un- unbelievable post coach in Sarah Hedgepeth that's really works with those post players. You know, she was an international player herself. So for her to be able to come in and teach those two post defense really allows us to defend anything we're going to see. So to be able to develop Ava Kitchen and have a, have a solid inside game. And then with the addition of Elise Waldahl this year, she's a tremendous shooter. Carolyn Ho, our other guard, who has been a wonderful playmaker, she's much more of a defensive player. So to bring in Elise allows her to focus more on her defense, takes the pressure off of her offense then that allows her to play more free and play more her style. And so, you know, if people want to lock onto our shooters, then we have our inside game. If people want to lock on onto our inside game, we have our shooters. If people, you know, want to sag in, we can pull them out. If people want to pressure us, we've got our drivers. And um, yeah, we just have a lot of versatility. It's, It's been making game plans really fun. Well, and that's obviously what's working in this conference uh, to be nine and one and, and in a, a seemingly first waste first place tie easy for me to say been on the air for a while obviously pacific has the win over uh, over in double overtime right. to to kind of have an edge right now but you've got the rematch coming you talked about all those games on the road early on in conference play it's coming back in spades now you're in the mm-hmm. midst of a seven home game out of 10 stretch 
Um, You'll actually play Pacific Lutheran uh, later today. Um, Thank you, by the way, for joining us. I should have mentioned that earlier. You're joining us on a show day or a game day. Um, But then you're on the road at Linfield tomorrow, but then you're home against Pacific and against Puget Sound. Those are two games, obviously, I know you're not looking at yet, but they're, they're, they're going to be important as well as tonight's game. So this is kind of coming back to, to be a benefit to some degree. Yeah. Yeah. No, we're, we're excited. And I've been very pleased. I thought coming into the season, the first half of this, the conference was going to be tough because of all the road games. Um, we've been able to really succeed. And I, again, I think the the schedule, as long as we were comfortable playing on the road, which we, we clearly showed we were able to, was going to benefit us because now that we're in school, now we're at home. So, you know, hopefully the pressures of all the demands of being on the road are, are, are done. Um, you know, our Linfield game is a close game. That's 45 minutes away. And then the other road trip will be George Fox, which is another close drive. So, um, you know, we're really set up in good position now that we're back in school and now the time demands are hard on our players. So, um, you know, but we still got to take take care of business because anybody can beat anybody in this conference. Yeah, and that's certainly showing its its case this year. I, I got to ask, um, we're used to Zoom backgrounds, but the more I've been staring at your background, I have this feeling, did Chris actually set you up in the arena? Chris did set us up. Or, yep, he's done a wonderful job. I feel like Dang, this is a that is not, interview. yeah, I, I didn't think that was the fake background. Computer, yeah, no, he's done a great job. Yeah, nicely lit. It looks like an actual. I don't know if you've. I don't know if you've ever seen our streamings, but if you oh, ever yeah. get a chance, take a peek. He does a phenomenal job. Yeah, I think it's Chris and I yeah. are, 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 me, are, are, uh, we have the same mentality when it comes to that kind of stuff. I'm on yeah. the East coast. He's on the West coast. He's, he's dove in deeper than I have to be completely oh, he honest. He does an incredible job, but he does. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm just impressed. You, we got, I, I started, I'm like, listen, it's starting to sound like they're in the arena. Like, hold on a minute. I just had to check. Yep. Yep. That'll obviously that's here. That's the field house. That's that that is cone uh, that will be so instrumental for you down the road. Um, I know it's it's obviously win the conference and get into the into the tournament. I, I know that's the basics of this all. Yep. Do you have to do it at home? Are you going to be a, a team, as you've shown early in the season already, that maybe can can win this conference on the road, too? I would love to, you know, we're, we're in position. Um, you know, one could look at our schedule and say, you know, it's set up for us. We have the, we have the sweep on the wits. We have all the toughest quote unquote road trips out of the way, but you know, that to be able to have these last games at home is what you, what you hope for as a coach, you know, we have shown that we can play on the road. So, you know, I would love to be able to host. I would love to be able to take care of this and win a regular season championship and, and be able to host, but we've also shown that we can win on the road too. So I, I'm, I'm just excited to see where we go at this point, whether it's, you know, regular season, which I would love to do. If that's not the case, then I'm excited to go someplace wherever, you know, we've played a couple games already, three games at Pacific. We've shown we can play well there. We played every place else. We've won every place else. So I'm just, I'm just excited to play. I'm excited to play postseason ball and see what we're capable of doing. Before I let you go, uh, I always get a kick out of talking to somebody who's been at an institution for a long time in Division Three. You're in your twelfth season, but you're not a tw- you're not a D three person. You 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 came through the other higher up <laughs> yeah, levels. I'm one of those. <laughs> what is it about Willamette? What is it about um, Division Three, et cetera, that you have found to be where you want to be? Seemingly, 
Well, you know, the support, I mentioned it before, Willamette's been a wonderful place where I can come and I feel supported as a coach. I mean, you mentioned it before, Chris Sabato setting this up for us, you know, being able to travel where we need to go. And, you know, we don't have the D1 budget. We're not unlimited. Of course, we have all the challenges that everybody else does. But, you know, the support is here for me and, and the athletic department, and all the coaches here. We've got a great group of people. Um, it's a great place to recruit to just because it's a wonderful institution. And anybody who comes and visits here says it's about the people and people find their their family here really easily. Um, but then the, the pitch for D3, what I really, really enjoy, you know, and this is what I tell the recruits and anybody I can who wants to, wants to, or will ask me why D3. These players are here because they love the game. They're here because they want to be here. And I, I had a wonderful career at the division one level and I, I wouldn't have done it any differently. I learned a bunch and coached some wonderful players and had some wonderful experiences. But at the end of the day, at the D3 level, these players are paying me to coach for them and I am here to help them. And I can literally say to them on a day-to-day -day basis, they don't want to be here. They really don't. And that just brings a different attitude. It brings a different fire, you know, a different balance to it. And there's, there's a lot of enjoyment at this level. So I've just been very thankful to be here at Willamette because it's been a great place. I've been treated really well. Um, and I've been able to coach some incredible players through the 12 years I've been here. So it's, it's been fun to see it come together this year because this has really been a, a product of 12 years of players helping build this. We've done it, you know, and it's, you know, I came in and, and we had won one game before I came in and we've been able to build it year by year, slowly but surely. And um, I've, I've just been really proud of, of hearing from alumni, um, proud of what our players have been able to do through all the challenges they face in the last three years. And it's been, been really fun for them to get some recognition nationally a little bit about the success that they're showing and the work that they put in. Well, congratulations. Uh, thanks for that answer, too. I might have to snip it because it's the perfect YD3 yep. uh, response. Uh, you're absolutely right. It's because you want to be here and you get a different attitude from them as a result. It's not a job. It's a, it's yep. a passion. It is. Um, yep. I really appreciate your time. Thanks to Chris on the great backdrop. We're going to take yep. notes and tell everybody else that they have a standard to now achieve. Mm -hmm. uh, we have we have you know, we're, we're elevating our show. We, we might as well elevate everything. Um, yep. Coach, we have a tradition on this show. We always give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who might be tuned in? No, I just want to thank everybody. You know, anybody who tunes into D3, I, I think, Dave, you've done a wonderful job promoting um, a lot of people. You, there's not enough media out there. There's not enough press for anybody. So, I, you know, I'll give a shot for you, a shout out for you for thanking you for having coaches on and giving us a, a voice and giving us a platform to really pitch what we do. There's a lot of a lot of professionalism, a lot of people who have really sacrificed a lot for their student athletes and for their programs. And it's fun that you're able to give them a voice. So thank you. I enjoyed doing it and having a guest like yourself on certainly makes it a lot easier. Uh, take care. Enjoy the rest of your day. Good luck tonight. And uh, we'll look forward to catching up with you and the Bearcats down the road. Great. Thanks, Dave. Take care. Um, we should point out, by the way, uh, the, well, I haven't been to the D3Hoops.com Classic. I totally forgot. Back in 2018, we had them. So, um, We'll look forward to maybe getting them down the road somewhere. Oh, oh, she just said, maybe we'll get them sometime soon. I like that. Like that. Hey, we'll take a break, folks. When we come back, the Cabrini segment's going to float. We're going to go into our top 25 pundits when we come back. Men's basketball will start us off. You're listening to Hoopsville. The marathon continues into another hour here on D3Hoops.com. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over two decades. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. 
We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com.